Amen. God bless you this morning. Glad that you're with us. We know it's the summertime, and proof of that is that 30% of our worship team is on vacation today. But hallelujah, the people, you know, that's going to be here and going to be serving Jesus in spite vacation season. Just joking. You need, to, you need to go on a vacation to get away. Everyone does, all right? And I know Cole would like to be on that vacation, start a brand new job. It was honorable to And so there was a lot. What we've been doing is we've been uh, shooting the video prior to the service. And then uh, Ethan's been uploading it. But I think we're going to, we might even be actually live streaming right now. And so uh, we're going to start doing that, and so uh, we, we filmed a service yesterday, we shot a service yesterday, it wasn't a whole service, but it was just the, the sermon, the message, and then it got uploaded, and so because you're here today, uh, you're, you're going to get the full version of this sermon, and uh, I want to start by reading some verses in First Samuel chapter number 15, and the Bible says this, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse number, verses 1 through 3 to start with. It says, One day Samuel said to Saul, It was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of his people Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I've decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came out from Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. Today I want to talk to you about the choices. And uh, we, we've been in this series of choices and slaying dragons. But I want to talk to you this morning about the choice to do the will of God. The choice to slay the dragons of pride and selfishness in our life. Uh, when Lauren, and I didn't tell Lauren I was even going to say this today, but when Lauren was a little girl, uh, I would often tell her bedtime stories. And sometimes, and I know that a lot of parents tell their kids bedtime, bedtime any parents here ever tell their kids bedtime stories? All right. And uh, Brandon was the kind of kid that by 8 o'clock he was already asleep. All right. But Lauren was the kind of, kind of, you know, child that she could literally stay up to like midnight. And so read her a book, told her a bedtime story, whatever the case may be. So often I would maybe go with a traditional fairy tale or sometimes I would take parts of a fairy tale and then I'd kind of mix it up and, and make up the rest. And uh, one of the parts of these fairy tales was we had this stray dog that used to come to our house, all right? Now, it wasn't like a mangy stray, okay, that you were afraid of getting rabies from, okay? This was, this was a stray dog. It was obvious that this dog belonged to someone. And uh, it was like a black lab mix. And uh, so from time to time, this dog would come to our house, and uh, it's, we nicknamed the dog Poochie. That was, we didn't know what the dog's name was. We just called the dog Poochie, okay? And sometimes in my bedtime stories to Lauren that even Poochie would wind up in the story. And so one time, I, this one story that I often told to Lauren uh, went like this. Okay, I want to give you the version. And I, I told this on many occasions. I said, once upon a time, 
Because all good fairy tales start with that. Once upon a time. Once upon a time. There was a little girl named, you'll never believe it, Lauren. <laughs> all right. And I said, Lauren was out playing in the woods one day. And she was looking at all the, all the birds. And she was looking at all the trees. And she kept getting a little bit further from home and a little bit further from home. And finally, after some time, she realized that she was lost in the woods. And so before she lost all hope and just started to go, you know, frantically hysterical, here came Poochie. And Poochie led her to a house in the woods and they got to the house, they knocked on the door, and you'll never guess who came to the door. The mama bear came to the door. Mama bear came to the door to compa with compassion. That mama bear invited Lauren and Poochie to come into the house, and she prepared them, guess what, a bowl of porridge that was just exactly right. And they ate that, they enjoyed that, and then they were a little bit, you know, tired from their walk. So she took him into the living room and let Lauren sit in a comfortable chair that was just right. And then after sitting there, she was a little bit tired. So they let her go lay down in a comfortable bed that was just right. And then after eating and getting the rest and getting the sleep, Poochie and Lauren, Poochie led Lauren back home. And they all lived happily ever after. Okay, Wouldn't it be nice? If life was like a fairy tale, wouldn't it be not nice if everything in life ended where uh, everybody lives happily ever after except for the one person that deserves, that, the one person that caused all the problems, the one person that deserves all the judgment? Wouldn't it be nice if they're the ones that got the misery? It would be nice if life was like a fairy tale. Uh, this story in 1 Samuel chapter 15 is one of the most difficult stories in the Bible to understand because God ordered the annihilation of an entire group of people. I don't know if you picked up on that uh, a couple of minutes ago whenever I read it, but I want you to remember this, that the Bible is not a fairy tale. The Bible is true life, actual history, and many times history is not very pretty, and history is outright brutal. But one of the great proofs of the, the uh, reality and the authenticity of the Word of God is truth and honesty. Okay, Because if the Bible was a product of the imagination of men, men would have never included the story of the annihilation of of the descendants of Amalek. People would have never done that. If, if men had written the Bible and conceived the Bible, men would have never uh, included the story of David having a woman's husband murdered. It never would have included David's failure and his, his affair with another lady. It would, never, would have never included those things. But the great proof of the reality and the authenticity of God's word that, that shows and proves that it is divine is the very fact that God includes all of the story today. 
God includes every bit of it. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, whitewash it. He doesn't erase it. He, 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 he puts it all out there for us to see. But, but I want you to remember this as I talk to you about this story today. That God is always good. Okay? And God is always just. God is always righteous. God is always merciful. And God names evil, evil. He takes revenge for the abused and for the oppressed. Okay, now let me, let me, a, a little bit of a dispensational note here, okay? We got to remember this, that this story in 1 Samuel chapter 15 occurred when the people were living under the law, okay? And you know what that meant? I talk to people all the time. In fact, I was just talking to someone this week, and they were mentioning some parts of the law to me. And they said, Pastor Bob, why don't we still do this and this and this? I said, well, that's part of the law, okay? And I told them, I said, you don't want to live under the law. You don't want to go back to that. But when this story occurred, they were living under the law. They were living under the direct, the immediate judgment of God could fall on them at any time. I want you to remember that. That's key, okay? The key point is this, that God isn't going to order the annihilation of anyone right now because we're living under grace, okay? We're living under the mercy of God, and God allows even the most evil of people forgiveness and opportunity for redemption. God is always good. God is always just, he's always merciful, he's always right. And there's a lot of times that people ask hypothetical questions and they say stuff like this. If God is such a good God and such a just God, then why doesn't God do something about evil? And then when we read a story like here found in 1 Samuel chapter 15, and we read about how that God annihilated evil. You know, people say, well, why did God do that? You wanted God to do that. You ask why God doesn't do, doesn't do that. Well, today he doesn't do it because we're living under grace. We're, we're living under mercy of God today. But in ancient cultures, enemies were savage and they were bloodthirsty. In all ancient culture, it was all-out war. It was survival of the fittest. The Amalekites were the descendants of Amalek. And you say, well, who in the world was that? Well, Amalek was a grandson of Esau, okay? I don't know if you remember in the Bible, there was a couple twins, name of Jacob and Esau. Anyone remember that story before? And Esau was the older brother, and Jacob was the younger. Esau was, was in line to, to get the birthright. Esau was in line to get the best portion of the inheritance, but because he sold his inheritance, his younger brother got it. And even though Esau had sold it to Jacob, it made Esau hate Jacob, okay? And so the important thing you got to remember about the Amalekites and Amalek is he was a grandson of Esau. And Esau, because Esau hated Jacob so much, Esau's descendants hated Jacob. And Esau's uh, descendants hated the nation of Israel. You see, they were, the Amalekites were literally bred to hate the Israelites. They hated them. They wanted to destroy them. They wanted to kill them. I want you to, I want you to understand this today. That whatever you breed into your children, okay, 
whether it's, it's, it's love or hate, that's an inheritance that you're giving to your children. If you love other people, more than likely your children will love other people. If you love God, more than likely your children will love God. I know there's some kids and they're, they say preachers' kids are the world, world's worst. I've heard that before. I don't know. Okay. But I've also known this. The Bible says train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Okay. But more than likely, whatever it is, the inheritance that you're passing on to your children, whether it's an inheritance of love or it's an inheritance of hate, your children will, will gravitate and they'll latch on to that. Amalek was a, a young man who received an inheritance of hate for the Israelites. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22 says this, Good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren, but the sinner's wealth passes to the godly. So whatever it is that we love, our children will more than likely love. Whatever it is that we hate, our children will more, will more than likely hate those things. If you hate the things of God, your children will probably hate the things of God. If you hate the pastor and the Sunday school teachers, more than likely your children will hate the pastors and the Sunday school teachers. Are, are, can I get a witness today? More than, you see, we're, we are giving an inheritance to our children, not only our children, but to our grandchildren. And so here were the Amalekites. The Amalekites constantly were attacking the Israelites. Even though they were distant relatives, they were the arch enemy of the Israelites. The Israelites considered them the embodiment of evil. The Amalekites wanted to murder all Jews. Kind of a modern day version would be the Nazis. The Nazis would be considered like modern day Amalekites because they wanted to destroy the Jewish people. They represented atheism. They represented the total rejection of God. So this revenge on act of an old attack on Israel. In the book of Exodus, when the Israelites, give me just a couple minutes here to, to explain this to you. When the Israelites left Egypt from being in bondage for 400 years, they were traveling in the wilderness. And while they were traveling, they're tired, they're hungry, they're thirsty, they're struggling for survival. At that point, the Amalekites attacked the Israelites. And God promised on that day, that's when Moses, that's when Aaron and Hur stood on both sides of Moses and held his hands in the air. That was the, that was the battle against the Amalekites. And God gave them the victory that day. And God promised this to Moses. He said, listen, he promised the children of Israel. He said, one day you're going to go to the promised land. One of these days, you're going to have rest. One of these days, I'm going to allow you to destroy the Amalekites once and for all. They've been the persistent enemy of the Israelites. Okay, now we're ready to get to 1 Samuel chapter 15. Okay, so here's God. God commands King Saul. He said, listen, King Saul, this is judgment day for the Amalekites. This has been brewing for centuries and finally, it's time. I want you to go and to destroy the Amalekites. Not only the men. Like I said, this is a, this is a horrifying story. Okay? Not only the men, 
not only the women, not only the cattle, but the children and also the babies. You know, I, sometimes I, I read the Old Testament, I just cringe when I read it. But once again, I want to remind you that they were living under the law. They're living under the, under the direct uh, judgment, the immediate judgment of God. And God said, listen, he said, Saul, this is the day, this is the time of reckoning for the Amalekites. Okay? Hey, don't argue with me. God did it. God said it. Okay? Not me. Okay? God's always good. God's always just. God's always righteous. God's always merciful. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 7. Listen to this. So Samuel slaughtered the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Sur, east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everything else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life. They kept the best of the sheep and goats, the cattle, the fatted calves and the lambs, everything, in fact, that appealed to them. Notice that. Whatever appealed to them. They destroyed only what they thought was worthless and of poor quality. And then the Lord said to Samuel, He said, I'm sorry that I ever made Saul king. For he's not been loyal to me, but has refused to obey my command. And Samuel was deeply moved when he heard that this, he heard this, and he cried out to the Lord all night. And early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul, and someone told him, Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself, and then he went on to Gilgal. So King Saul and his men, they, they attacked the Amalekites. But I want you to notice this. They did not destroy everything. They only destroyed what they thought they wanted to destroy. They did not fully and completely do the will of God. In fact, the scripture says this. They kept what they thought was valuable. They kept what they thought was appealing unto them. And notice this, that immediately, as soon as they did it, God saw what they did. You know, often we're, we're concerned with what people say about us, okay? We're concerned about what people think about us, all right? We, we post something on Facebook and then someone retaliates with something that's kind of nasty, and that really makes us mad, okay? I had someone that posted something on me not long ago, and so I didn't go on Facebook. I private messaged them, okay? And I said, I really don't know what your problem is. I said, I, you're just way too political. And I said, I don't know what's up with you. And I guess they befriended me or something. <laughs> They didn't like that. I did, like I said, I didn't say anything on Facebook. There's no attack on them at all. But, but we're so overly concerned about what other people think about us, what other people say about us, other people's opinions about us. But I'll tell you what really matters. Because people come and people go. But what really matters is what God says. What really matters is what is pleasing to God because God sees all and God knows all. God knows all of our motives. God knows all of our actions. Okay, let me, let me, let me give you a little other little thing to throw out about that Facebook thing. That was a relative of mine. <laughs> that, was, that was someone I'm related to. Okay, so I just want you, I just want you to know that Pastor Bob's a good, I'm a good guy. Okay, that's my family. <laughs> 
I was trying to straighten my family up a little bit, okay? Amen. God knows our actions. God knows our motives today. And people's opinions don't matter, but what is pleasing to God is everything. You might be sitting there today and say, Pastor Bob, do I have to obey God to be a Christian? Listen, salvation is free. It's a free gift of God. But I notice in the scripture, and I didn't say this yesterday, but I'll say it this morning, that salvation is free. It's a free gift of God. But Jesus said that, that anyone that would follow me, take up your cross and follow me. Okay? And, and I believe as, as, as born-again believers, yes, we're saved. It's a free gift of God. We don't earn our salvation. But if we're truly a born-again believer, we're going to want to please God. There's going to be something on the inside. The Holy Spirit is dealing with us about things. The Holy Spirit is dealing with us about, about garbage in our life. And if we want to be used by God, salvation is free. But if we want to be used by God, the anointing of God will cost us everything. And King Saul rejected the will of God. And I'm not telling you that God's going to tell you to go annihilate your enemy. He's not going to tell you to do that. But God does speak things to us, and God directs us to do certain things. And God, God has a will for our life today, and God wants to use us. I believe that, uh, well, well, just consider Saul for a minute. He, he rejected God's will. He rejected God's plan. And so Samuel went looking for King Saul. And the people told Samuel that King Saul had built, he was out building a monument to himself. Now, that's a, that's a complete picture of pride and arrogance. He takes all the credit for his victory. He draws all the attention to his own greatness by building a monument to himself rather than building an altar to the Lord. And every believer is a, is a leader. And, and, and today, I believe with all of my heart that God has not called us to build monuments to ourselves, but God has called us to build an altar. An altar. An altar of dedication. An altar of, of consecration to the Lord. You are a leader today. If you accepted Christ your Savior, you are a leader today. And every one of us is called of God to be a missionary in our circle of influence. And your circle of influence might be your family. Your circle of influence could be your neighborhood. Now, don't go over next door and get into a struggle and get into a fight with your neighbor and then go try to invite him to church on Easter. It ain't going to work, okay? But rather, we should be pouring into people. We should be finding, encouraging our neighbor finding out what is happening in their life. God has called every one of us and commissioned every one of us to be a leader today. And we are missionaries in our own circle of influence. And humility will cause you not to build a monument to yourself. Humility will cause you to build an altar rather than a monument. Jesus said this. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So whatever we do, we do everything for the glory of God. We do everything to exalt Jesus Christ. Because with, with him, all things are possible. But without him, we cannot do anything. You know, you, you and I, uh, think of it like this. God created the entire universe out of nothing. 
And if God can create the, the whole universe out of nothing, just think of what God can do through the heart and life of a willing man or woman that's willing to walk in, in humility and willing to say, God, not my will, but let your will be done. God, what are, what are you calling me to do? What have you put before me? And I believe that God can do great things for us today. When we give God all of the glory, when we give God all of the honor, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 13 says this, And when Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him, greeted him cheerfully, May the Lord bless you, he said. I've carried out all the Lord's command. Samuel found King Saul. And King Saul said, listen, I've done everything that the Lord asked me to do. I've been faithful to God's assignment. You know, some of the most uh, convicted people are the ones that boast the loudest. Some, of the, some folks that know that they're not doing the will of God, they're boasting the loudest about everything that they've done. And that's exactly what King Saul did. He said, I've done everything that the Lord commanded. And let me, let me share these verses here. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 19. Then Samuel said to Saul, he said, you haven't, why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Samuel insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everything else. And then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, the goats, the cattle, and the plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than the offering of fat rams. Rebellion is as a sin as witchcraft. And stubbornness is bad as worshiping idols. So because you've rejected the commandment of the Lord, he has rejected you as the king. You see, King Saul had so many excuses. He said, well, we brought the best animals we're going to sacrifice. King Saul, what he was literally doing and saying with his actions was, he was saying, my plan is better than God's plan. My ideas are superior to God's ideas. My logic is superior to God's. You see, we're living in a time and an age where, where people today, we, er, wow, it seems like everyone claims to be a Christian. I'm, I'm a Christian. I love God. I just, I, I'm this, I'm that. But rather, everything in our life is about pleasing us. So many times our whole existence is about what is convenient for us. And King Saul had that same kind of spirit in his life. He was pleasing himself. Him and his men kept the best of the treasure that appealed to them. Today we got designer religion. You know, we take the Bible, we kind of pick and choose whatever appeals to us, and uh, we pick and choose God's will for us. We say, well, I'm, I feel like going on a missions trip, so I'm going to go on a missions trip because that's really a cool thing to do. But there's a guy right down the street that I know needs food, and I could, you know, God, I know in my heart that God wants me to bless and help them, but I'd really go on this missions trip because it's just, it's just so much more trendy you know, and, I, and other people are going to see me. I can post all, post all this stuff on Facebook, and they're going to see me traveling to Africa or wherever the case may be, and it's just going to be so amazing. 
you know. And yet there's people right before us that need Jesus. There's people right before us that are hungry. There's people right around us. And, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not knocking missions trips or I'm not knocking whatever ministry it is that you might be involved with. Uh, I, I'm not putting that down. I'm just saying that sometimes God is speaking something in our, in our heart, and it's not really that cool, and it's not really that hip, and it's not really that trendy. But God is dealing with us, and God is speaking to us about it. And God says, no, I, I really want you to do this. This is my plan. This is my will. And that's what, when we stand before God, that's what we're going to have to give an account for, whether or not we follow it after his will or not today. Not just seeking God's will when it will benefit us. Not just praying when I feel like it. Not just seeking the kingdom of God when I feel like it. King Saul rejected the will of God. And God rejected King Saul from being the king of Israel because he was too stubborn. He was too arrogant to follow the plan of God. And God removed his hand on that day. God removed his hand from Saul's life. And King Saul, even though he was still the king in name, the hand of God was off his life and the and. Till the very end of his life, and he walked in torment. He lived in torment. He was jealous of David. He had no peace in his life. Why? Because the hand of God had been removed from his life. Now, as I've already said, the annihilation of an entire group of people seems very harsh and extreme, but let's remember these people were living under the law and not under grace. Today we're living under grace. Praise God for the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. Praise God that, that Jesus makes forgiveness possible for every single one of us. You see, God is giving us a choice today. Yes, we're saved by grace. We're saved. It's a free gift of God. But God still works and uses average, ordinary people to do His will, to be leaders, to preach the gospel. To help other people, God still uses average, ordinary people like you and me. And God is looking for someone that he can do his will in their life. You see, God's will will lead you to peace. God's will will lead you to rest, I believe. You say, Pastor Bob, I'll never have any more problems. No, I'm not saying that. In fact, you'll probably have more problems. <laughs> When you begin to do the will of God, but but you'll in, in in the midst of all that you'll have peace, you'll have direction, you'll have satisfaction. God will begin to lead you. If we try to just glorify ourselves, if we try to just uh, build monuments to ourselves, that will only lead to frustration. But God wants us to lend ourselves and to lend our will to Him. Ephesians, what really got me thinking about this message this week was I was reading a, a verse of Scripture, and it's found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 10. I'm, gonna, I'm getting ready to close. And that Scripture says this, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. And I begin to think about that Scripture, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. And I had to ask myself the question, is my life pleasing the Lord? Are my actions pleasing the Lord? Are my motives pleasing the Lord? Even being the pastor of a church, am I pleasing the Lord? Am I, God, am I doing your will or am I doing my will? 
God, am I trying to build a monument to myself or am I building altars? Am I living a life that's bringing glory and honor to Jesus Christ today? He said in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, Humble yourselves under the almighty power of God, and at just the right time, God will lift you up in honor.